It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be worshiping together today. God's up to something. (laughs) I don't know. There's just a fresh wind blowing among God's people. And maybe today you're in the room with us for the very first time or first time in a long time. And we're just in one of those seasons where every week my heart wakes up with this sense of expectancy as we gather together. And not just when we gather in this room, but in every space, it seems like that our church has felt led to create. The Lord's hand just seems to be on it, seems to be moving. Victories are, are happening. God's, God's just doing really amazing things, watching people take new steps of faith. That when Y'all, I am seeing the Lord answer my prayers like I haven't in a really long time. And as we started this year, we felt very certain that what God had led us to lean into was was really important and from him. I'm one who deeply believes in the principle of firsts. Y'all believe that? And I'm not talking about just finances. I'm talking the principles of firsts. I deeply believe that what you do with the first. 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour of your day shapes and and sets the trajectory of that day. What mindset you start with. So that's why when when, when you roll out of your bed and you grab your phone and open up Facebook, that's just dumb most days. Because there might be a chance that you see something inspirational or something like that, but mixed in, it's going to be negativity. And when when you start there, when, when that's where your heart begins, it's really difficult to course correct throughout the day. Can anybody testify to that being true? Come on. But when you start the day with Jesus on your mind, when you start the day in his word, letting the scriptures calibrate your perspective on who you are and what God wants to do, when you, obs- when you consume him right from the jump, it affects the way that day is going to go. It's, I believe, I think it's a God principle, the first things matter. And I think that's true with with our church and why we deeply pray over every series that we do, but especially this first one, this this first series as we start the the year, feeling like it's going to kind of set the course. And if we will lean into it right and study it well, it'll, it'll impact the trajectory of our year. And we've begun this year leaning into this reality, one that I deeply believe to be true. And the more we've journeyed through this series, the more I feel like God solidified that in my spirit, that you will never consistently submit to a God you don't completely trust. And let me tell you, church, that's what God desires from us, consistency. Look at me. God does not demand perfection, but I think he does expect consistency. Because I deeply believe consistency in him is possible. I don't think you have to keep riding this spiritual roller coaster. At some point, you can get off. And you can get out of this pattern of close and far, near and far, on fire and lukewarm. I think you can break that cycle. I think you can put an end to that pattern. I think the Holy Spirit working in you can grow you into this place where you are consistently walking out your faith at all times and in all places. Whether you're surrounded by people who believe when you're at church or whether you're at work and there's not a single believer present whether you are surrounded by those Christian friends or whether you're at school and there's not a believer to be found, you can be consistent in your walk with Jesus. And some of us need to start believing that. 
You don't have to keep doing this mess. Because it's not a feeling. Well, some days I don't feel close to God. It don't matter. His word says he's near. We live by faith, not by feelings. And there may be weeks you go by where you don't necessarily feel God. God's not a feeling. He's so much bigger, much more real than that. It's not about emotion. It's about faith. And that's what this series is about. It's about faith. Because listen to me, faith is not just belief. Faith is not just love. Faith requires trust. It's trust. You've got to trust God. And until you trust God, you won't consistently walk with him. Until you trust him completely, you won't submit to him fully. That, that you can't leave anything outside the umbrella of God's authority. Because if anything lies outside, everything else is vulnerable. He has to have everything, church. Look at me. Do you hear me? He has to have everything. Everything. All of it. And so until you trust him completely, you can never walk with him consistently. In the last eight weeks, today's the eighth week, last seven weeks, everything that we've done is to try to, to cause you to level up or to deepen your trust. And so now as we get here and today we conclude this series and next week we'll begin a new series called Out of Nazareth where from starting next week all the way to Easter, we're just going to study the life of Jesus walking through the gospel of Luke together all the way to the empty tomb. But today my question for us is, do you trust him more? Do you trust him more than you did eight weeks ago? Has your level of trust in God, faith in God, trust in everything that he says, has it increased? Have you leveled up? Because that was the whole point of this series. From the time we walked in here on January the 8th and began 2020, 2023, 2020, 2023, together, our whole goal, our hope, our prayer has been that what we've done in this room on Sundays has caused you to go a little bit to increase your trust in him. Increase and increase and increase and increase. And that's my question is, do you trust him more today than you did when we began? Even if it's just a measure more. You might say, Matt, I'm still struggling to get to that point of trusting him completely. And I get that because there's some people that when you walked in this room on January the 8th, you didn't trust God at all. There had been things you had experienced in life that had eroded your trust and the enemy had leveraged the suffering and the hurt and the pain and the disappointment and, and all the letdown that you've experienced throughout your life by other people. You walked in guarded, feeling like you can't trust anybody or anything. And, it, and if you've just taken one, one baby step of faith, I'm going to celebrate with you. Just one step, just one small step towards God. And maybe you're not at that complete trust, but you're at a deeper level of trust than you were eight weeks ago. But it hit me this week as I've had conversations with people. Because in this season, when we've been challenging you to trust more, it's been tested. But testing reveals trusting. It's in the testing 
that trusting is revealed. Come on. You don't know how much you trust him until you really have to. In the last eight weeks, there's people connected to our church and our community that have walked through some of the hardest seasons that they've ever walked through in their life. We've had people go through deep, painful loss, struggle, hardship, pain. And the reason why I think it's really important that you level up in your trust is because, listen, I'm telling you this, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be real because I love you. You with me? Say amen. amen. There's some people in the room that before this year's over, you're going to be forced to walk through something that last year's level of trust won't be good enough. Does that make sense? You got, you're going to have to level up because last year's level won't be enough. That you... That, Something may happen in your life where you're going to be tested. Your trusting is going to be tested like never before. And last year's level will not be enough. And God is using this season to deepen your trust in him. So when that thing happens, you won't walk away from your faith. And you can't wait till it happens to level up. You got to level up now. You got to deepen now. You got to trust him now. And look at me. He's just as real and good now as he will be when that thing happens. You gotta trust. We've been trying to grow it. But you can't just grow it, you gotta guard it. Don't you know trust is fluid? <laughs> Come on. You just don't get to this point where you're like, okay, I've reached the crescendo, the plateau of trusting, and I'm good, and I'll just stay here. Because life is fluid. And there are always these things that are trying to chip away at your increase, take away from that trust. And you, you, you can't settle. You can't let your guard down. You've got to keep pressing in. You've got to keep pushing toward God. You've got to, keep, you've got to stay in his word. All these things. Jasmine, Jasmine preached one of the best messages I've ever heard last week. So good. But, but you can't. You can't ever get to satisfied in intimacy. You got to stay in the word and keep praying. You can't ever think, well, okay, I know enough about God because you know what? It's, God is like this never ending pool. The deeper you go, it's like the bottom just keeps moving and moving and moving and moving and moving. There's, there's more riches of him to understand. And closeness, you can never be close enough to him. You, you, got, you got to keep pressing in. And the reason why I know is that I, this Bible is full of people who, had, who saw so many things that you would have thought that their trust in God was unshakable, immovable. But there's proof of, of even these biblical heroes that trust, trust is fluid. I think about Moses. Go to Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. Pull it up on your phone. Pull it up on your Bible. Again, physical Bibles, get you one. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. We've got them. Stop by the info bar. We'll put one in your hand. I can't read my Bible on my phone. There's too many distractions. Numbers 20, 12. Before we get there, this is, can we all agree that Moses had seen a lot in his life? So much so, you would think that Moses would trust God completely. I mean, you, God talked to him through a bush that was on fire. 
And then he went through all these plagues where God proved that he wanted his nation to be set free from slavery in Egypt. He saw frogs and locusts and all these crazy things that God did to force Pharaoh to let his people go. Then Moses stood in front of the Red Sea as it parted and put his toes on the bed of that body of water, looking at walls of water on each side, crossing over, only to watch those waters crash over Pharaoh's army for them to be able to move on in safety. When the people were hungry, bread fell from heaven, quail fell from heaven, God provided. When they were thirsty, he took his stick and hit a rock and water gushed out, the Fiji water, the good stuff. Y'all know that comes from a well in Sophia. They trying to mess with (laughs) y'all. But there's a moment when he gets so consumed with what God did in the past, he doesn't trust exactly what he says in the present. Did you hear that? So consumed with what God did in the past, he doesn't really pay attention or trust what God calls him to do in the present. See, there was a moment when they were thirsty and God said, Moses, strike that rock with your stick. Water will flow. And there comes another time that's going to happen and God very clearly says, don't strike it, speak to it. And guess what Moses did? He struck it anyway. Because he trusted his history more than what God was saying in the moment. But because he did that, it cost him. But look at what the Lord says to him. Look at verse 12. This is one you need to underline, highlight. Numbers 20, 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give you. Then Moses misstepped. Why? It was a trust issue. Why did Moses strike it instead of speak to it? Now, me saying that God said, you did that because somewhere along the way, your trust had faded a little. You didn't trust me enough. God knew Moses' heart, that it wasn't just he misheard or misunderstood. He says, no, Moses, this was a demonstration of a lack of trust. It's a trust issue. You got to grow it but you also had to guard, have to guard it. But this is what I know. If, if we're gonna level up like we need to, if we're gonna see an increase in trust, there will be evidence of that increase. When I ask you, put that question, Amanda, back up on the screen. Do you trust him more? Do you trust him more? This is, this is not something that you, just, you, can, you can just speak with your mouth. Listen, if, you, if the answer to that question right now is yes, there will be evidence. There will be evidence. That's why I've entitled this message, The Evidence of Increase. There is evidence in your life that there is an increase in trust. There will be things that you see, things that you know, things that you feel. There will be evidence of an increase in trust with God. Like the more you trust him, the more evidence that will be seen in the way that you walk out this trust you claim to have. Y'all, let me say amen. And I don't know what that looks like for you, But as I've been wrestling with my own life, these are the areas I've seen it and I long to see it more. So can I share them with you before we take communion together? Number one is this. If there's an an increase in trust, it will impact the shame you feel. Look at me. 
if you've confessed your sin to God, if you've repented, if you've asked him forgiveness for forgiveness, if you've sought his face for his mercy and grace, and you still feel shame, it's a trust issue. It says you don't trust it enough just yet. Because the more you trust his grace, the less shame you feel. You say, Matt, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. But he does, and he forgave you anyway. Matt, you don't, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. But he's seen everything you've ever done and still offers you mercy and grace, still died so that you could be free. The more you trust him, the less shame you feel. And if you're sitting in this room and you're still letting the shame of the things that you've done cripple your life, it's a trust issue. It's a trust issue. Can I show you what scripture says? Look at 1 John chapter 1. Verses five through nine. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from, somebody say all, all sin. Not some. Not most, all, all. But see, verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But listen, verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't know if you know this, but there's not a sin that he can't forgive. That his blood won't cover. And there's not a single person, listen to me, there's not a single person that's ever come to God with a broken and contrite heart in full repentance, seeking his forgiveness, that he turns away. When we sincerely and genuinely pursue him, confess our sin, own what we've done, cry out to God, it says he is faithful to forgive. You gotta trust that. No matter how many family members at every holiday gathering try to remind you of what you did when you were 17 or 37 or 67, you gotta trust his forgiveness. Yeah, there's this if then, if we come, if we're contrite, if we're repentant, if we confess, he will forgive. you got to trust his forgiveness or else that shame will cripple you for the rest of your life. He is faithful to forgive. Let's look at some more scripture. Look at Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14. When we were dead in our sin, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Somebody give God some praise for his forgiveness, for his mercy, for his grace. I love what it says in Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like you? Come on, somebody. 
who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Other places in Scripture says, he remembers not. He remembers not. The increase of evidence is seen in the shame you feel, but it's also seen in the prayers you speak. The deeper you trust God, look at me, the more boldly you will pray. The deeper you trust God, the more boldly we You know what? I think some of us have grown up in such a tradition. Can I say this? It's neutered our prayer life. that we have forgotten that the same God that did all those miraculous things in the Bible is the same one that we cry out to. And we need to trust what he can do. We need to start praying big prayers. I think God still wants to heal people and deliver people and save people and restore people and redeem people. I still think he wants to do that. And yes, God is God. Look at me. And he will always work according to his glory and his will. Amen? Amen? But ask him. Ask him for anything. Pray bold prayers. Pray big prayers. Cry out to your heavenly father in ways like you never have before. I think God is calling his church to ask bigger, to cry out bigger, not for our benefit or for our fame, but for his glory. And when you trust him and he sits in your spirit and he changes your perspective and he changes your heart, it begins to change the way you pray, but it will increase not just the consistency with which you pray, but the size of your prayers. Pray big, pray bold. Go with confidence to him. You know what? I am grateful for the increase in prayer that I'm seeing begin in our community and our culture. And you know what? For far too long, look at me. I think women have led the way in this, but it's time for men to step up and start valuing and elevating prayer in our lives like never before. Thursday night, God disrupted our men's group because somebody in our community needed prayer. And we dropped everything and y'all, prayer broke out in this room. The Holy Spirit was here. It was a powerful time of men laying hands on, praying over and asking God to do miracles in the lives of the men around them. And I think it's just the beginning. (laughs) Last Saturday night, I'm in Banner Elk, God's country, beautiful up there, in a men's conference speaking to a group of about 70 or 80 men from all over our state and all over the country. And I looked up after I got done speaking, calling men to pray, and 90% of the men were on the room flat on their face, weeping and crying out to God. That's revival. That's revival right there. We got to pray bigger. The more you trust God, the greater your prayers will be. They will start to increase, not just in their consistency, but what you're willing to go to your father and ask for. Hebrews tells us to come confidently into the throne room. But can I remind you of what Jesus said? And I know there's so much to this that we have to lean into and wrap our minds around. But Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Circle that. How much more 
will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Ask him. So look at me. There's somebody you need to ask bigger. You need to ask bigger. Now, you need to have the maturity to trust that God's going to work out and praise him no matter how he answers. Come on. But you need to go to him and ask. Ask him. Pray big. The evidence of increase is seen in the shame you feel. It is seen in the prayers you speak. But it's also seen in the fruit you see. Because this is what I believe. The more you trust God and consistently submit to him, the more it changes what comes out of you. A heart fully surrendered to Jesus sees some fruit. There's an evidence of it. I'm having conversations with people, men, women, young, old, that are talking about, yeah, like, I see, I see a change in my husband. I see a change in my wife. I see something different about my kids. Because when you surrender to Jesus, it will change you. Amen. There will be fruit in your life that you've never seen before. That temper, God will have a way to subdue it and keep it from getting out of control. That lust that used to dominate you, God will give you victory in it. That patience that you never used to have, somehow in the power of the Spirit will start to be more present, even in traffic. <laughs> like you, there will be fruit that you see. Yeah. Amen. That if, if surrender and trust don't lead to fruit, there isn't surrender and trust. Right. It's just lip service. And can I remind you what, what Peter wrote, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses three through eight says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The evidence of increase is seen in the shame you feel, the prayers you speak, and the fruit you see. But it's also seen in the peace you experience. Amen. When you fully trust God, life can throw the craziest stuff at you, and you can still be at peace. Testify somebody. Come Amen. on. There's... There's a calm that you can have in your spirit given to you by his spirit that even when the test results aren't what you thought they would be, even if he decides he doesn't want to be married anymore, even if they're about to start driving, there's a peace that passes understanding, a calm you trust God that when the testing comes if the trusting is present there's a peace Psalm 56 verses 3 and 4 says when I am afraid which means there's going to be times that life is scary when I'm afraid I'll put my trust in you Amen. in God whose word I praise 
and God I trust and then I'm not afraid anymore because I remember what can mere mortals do to me the evidence of increase is seen in the shame you feel the prayers you speak the fruit you see and the peace you experience do you trust him more do you trust him more We're going to worship in just a second and then we're going to take communion as we usher into the season of Lent and we book in this series and walk into the life of Jesus we're reminded of the meal that Jesus gave us to never forget the power of the promise would you stand with me we're going to worship and then as we move to the song I'll come back up and we'll start to talk through how we're going to do communion together today but this is Look at me, I, had, I got one more question for you. I asked you first as we started today, do you trust him more? Here's my question. What don't you trust him with? What don't you trust him with? What's that thing that you're still holding on to? What's that area of life that you haven't submitted, that you haven't surrendered? As we worship and before we take communion, will you wrestle with that? Not just do you trust him, what don't you trust him with? As we're worshiping, what do you need to just finally, just let go of? Let, let me tell you something. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be better if you'll just give it to him. If you'll just let it go. If you'll just trust that what he says is true, what he says is best for his glory and your good, and just give it over, you're going to save yourself a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, and a lot of scars. What don't you trust him with? Father, I pray that as we worship you right now in this space, that you would fall, that you would meet with us, and that your spirit would move. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.